What is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team Pokemon Trading Card Games Premier Podcasting Duo Reunited after a week away. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? It's going pretty good, man. I'm feeling a little, a little sleepy, but uh, <laughs> probably not as bad as you are. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling not good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I traveled back from Germany on Monday and you know you're traveling kind of back in time which is definitely better than traveling forwards in time but yeah. the problem is when I was traveling forwards in time to Germany I had a, like nothing to commit myself to <laughs> right. whereas the day after I traveled back here I immediately went to work <laughs> uh, which uh you know in a, a moment of hindsight i realized i definitely should have taken yesterday off and spent a day just like sleeping and stuff but it's chill it's chill it's been an incredibly busy week so, <laughs> <laughs> so i feel uh just like that ill from lack of sleep that's how i feel yeah i i feel that man and i can't imagine like being on a plane for you know ten plus hours is all that great, and then it's, yeah, it's the only, time change. It's only nine at a time, thankfully. Oh, only nine at a time. Okay, well, that's way better than I thought. But uh, yeah. I want to know, Riley, how your experience was in Germany. I I had to live vicariously through the group <laughs> chat, which yeah. felt really bad. I mean, it felt good. Like I knew you guys were having a lot of fun, but it felt bad in the sense that that you were having fun without me. <laughs> So how, yeah, how was the trip? Let's talk trip outside of Pokemon first, and then we'll talk, you know, what happened in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, the trip was incredible. So uh, the group that ended up going was me, Andrew, Natalie, and our friend Mm -hmm. Caleb Gettimer also came along. Caleb was actually working remotely for a majority of the, of the week. So uh, he wasn't as involved in our shenanigans, but pretty much every day we tried to do something fun outside of just, you know, testing for poke. <laughs> and that was sincerely awesome. If anybody has a chance to do an IC, that would be international from them. Uh, so, you know, if you're American going to UIC or LAIC or OCIC, mm-hmm. um, definitely like take that extra time and kind of enjoy the place that you're going to. Because uh, it was sincerely a blast. So pretty much every day we tried to do something fun and interesting. So one day we went to the shopping district in Frankfurt and spent a lot of money. And that was really fun. Um, another day, actually a couple of different days, we went to like the old town area with a lot of cute buildings. And would you know grab some beers and pretzels and just walk around all day. We went on a boat tour one day. That was awesome. Ooh, I love a good boat tour. Yes, yeah, so that was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, one of the days we took a train and went to France, and that was super cool. Also, just like as stupid Americans, we were just loved the the trains <laughs> and kind of the the public transport element of yeah. being in Europe was so cool. Uh, so it was it was really just awesome. Every day we had some some really good fun, a lot of great food as well. Uh, 
really really good beer um american beer definitely sucks <laughs> really okay yeah well i've never been a really a beer guy you know i see I, maybe that's you were able to as a wisconsin person but you were able to chug down some some german brews yeah some german pills yeah german mm. pills uh, so those were all super good uh just the experience was was really really cool um I'm also like so jealous of all these cool Europeans who are like so bilingual or trilingual. Um, sure. You know, they can speak English just, they can switch like mid conversation. You know, they'll start talking to you in German. And you're like, oh, you know, sorry, like I speak English. And they'll just instantly like speak fluent English with you. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm, I just feel so stupid, man. Like I, can, I hear you, man. I, can, I hear like, you. But I mean, Spanish, but, thankfully, yeah. thankfully, English is the dominant language for <laughs> most of the world. So, you know, you don't have to really worry about it. That's not true necessarily, man. Like when I went to LAIC a couple years back, uh, it was really just kind of <laughs> playing by feel, you know? <laughs> Like a lot less English. Said most of the world. I would say like Europe and like even a lot of Asian countries. They all you know. Have yeah, that I would say like definitely in tendency. Europe, like they, you know, they tend to speak like their neighboring languages plus English. Sure, sure. Um, but it's it's still really impressive, like how effortlessly it felt like they could swap between the languages. Yeah, you know, like a restaurant owner would come to our table. We we're obviously American. He'd speak to us in English. And, you know, without even skipping a beat, he would walk to the next table and speak to them in German type stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be super cool. So tell me about the uh, the shopping district. The shopping district you was get? cool. Um, I got the the main goal was to stock up on stuff before we went to France. So I got a really cool like flower button down and some nice shorts that were nice and fitted. Uh, and those were awesome. Went to <laughs> one of those little boutiques, you know, where someone like follows you around and helps you um we wanted to make a stop to like the really high-end stores like the big big brands that americans would recognize you know like gucci and stuff like that sure um but those stores had really long lines and also you need to know like exactly what you're going in for for them to let you in and it wasn't really designed for stupid americans to walk around and just eyeball stuff sure (laughs) yep Yep. But it was still really fun. Um, while we were there, we all got some nice fits. Um, and it was just cool. It was cool to like walk around. We got some really awesome Thai food in the area as well. <clears throat> there was also a McDonald's <laughs> there, which was... We tried not to eat the American food, but one day it was like... I think it was the day of the tournament even. It was really late and like nothing was open. Um, yeah. So we had to go to the McDonald's and it was actually really, really good. <laughs> well, had... I was, I was going to ask, like, did you get a kind of Americanized or a Germanized American experience? And I guess yeah. it sounds like you well, did with McDonald's. McDonald's, all the past few places are definitely like more of a novelty outside of the States. So, you know, they had like the McMilkshake there and they had donuts there. And they had yeah. like uh, jalapeno poppers there. It was like, it's really bizarre in yeah. <laughs> to compared to like the American. It's like clearly McDonald's still, but it was its own its own little thing. It was cool. I hear you. Wow, that sounds really great. Well, I got a few pictures 
you know, I was left in the dark for most of the <laughs> most of the trip, but I got a few pictures, so I felt like felt like I got like just enough of a taste to kind of satisfy my my urge. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like you had a great time. It was it was super awesome and I think uh at least Andrew Natalie and I are are definitely looking to to make this a recurring thing. Um you know, go to some of these EUICs, OCICs, LAICs, at least one of them a year, I think is what we're thinking going yep. forward. Um, and we're already talking about cool things we want to do in Europe next time. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I guess knowing now going, you know, this time and having that week and then kind of knowing where you would want to go or what you would want to do for next time. Yeah. And make the experience even more enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so definitely looking forward to it. Very cool. Well, let's talk about your tournament experience. So the rest of the cast, you know, we'll be talking about obviously what happened in EUIC from your uh, experience. We'll talk a little bit about what we've, uh, you know, noticed just from the tournaments leading up to EUIC and also during the uh, international, what happened and then what that means for us going forward. So Riley, walk us through your tournament. Um, You didn't do particularly well, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, so, you know, it, it's just, it is what it is, but kind of walk us through how you felt, what deck you played and how the rounds went. Yeah. So I'll, I'll open that conversation with the deck that, that Caleb, Andrew and I chose. We played the same 60 for, um, UV max Mm -hmm. and how did we get there kind of becomes the next question. So, um, leading up to the event in the week leading up to the UIC when we were all in Europe and and commiserating the it became immediately clear even before we had even traveled that Arceus was kind of the deck to beat um Arceus was going to be the choice of the field and that was without question you know after Arceus took home the the dub in Sao Paulo it was in the forefront of people's minds that Arceus decks were the best decks in the format and that was reflected as well in the online results where Arceus continued to just kind of dominate the scene. Um, so we knew in our in our minds that we needed to be Arceus. So we tried a couple of things. Well, we tried a lot of different decks over the course of the, the even the weeks leading up to UIC. Uh, and none of them like really showed off like phenomenally well. Um, what we had found was that like Urshifu was really good against Arceus and especially like the Arceus Dark. Um unless they played like a Hoopa V. That was like mm-hmm. the one thing that we felt was pretty good versus Ursh. Uh but otherwise like the Arceus decks were really struggling versus Ursh. Um and we also thought that the Arceus decks like truly didn't answer view as maybe as confidently as like their deck slot devotion may sure. suggest it would have uh which is something that we consistently like would notice in our testing is that mew would be winning these games versus arceus like more than it lost mm-hmm. so over the course of the week we kind of tried to, to prove different things we tested a lot of whimsicott actually like maybe even more than i feel like we should have because we, we kept revisiting the deck <laughs> after it kept not doing well for us yeah um Ultimately, we shelved it because we thought it wasn't very good versus Arceus, actually. Uh, we felt like uh-huh. if an Arceus could get going, that Wimscott couldn't really do anything about it. 
and it would just sure. And then you, th- I mean, right? Because you think about you know if Arceus goes first and they get their first two attachments, you know that's obviously outside of um, what the Whimsicott can handle. Like you're not blocking the double turbo if the Arceus deck goes first and gets their attachments down. So it's yeah. like kind of yeah, kind of goes first there. or like if they go second and Trinity Charge is really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, if they Melanie early, it's pretty bad. There's just like a lot of things that could go wrong, especially if they played like a very Inteleon looking version that that played like a choice belt. You know, if you get the choice belt down early and then can like ping, then you're one shotting the <laughs> Whimsicots as they come up. And that's mm-hmm. just a nightmare. And honestly, I think we ended up in a little bit of a, a feedback loop where we understood how to play the Whimsicott matchup really well with Mew and Arceus. And we found that actually the matchup was okay. So right. we we shelved that idea. We tested it like five separate times. We tested it for a bunch of games and <laughs> dropped it each time. Um, and it it kept coming back to like Mew is the is the deck that's running the table. Mew was beating the single prize decks. It was beating the oddball ideas. It was beating the Arceus decks, and it was beating the Oshifu deck. So our our logic was okay. Well, Mew is beating the fighting decks, and good players are going to play fighting to beat Arceus. And it's beating the Arceus decks more than it loses, despite the fact that they're playing all this dark stuff. So why would we play anything ever other than Mew ever? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're going to go into a format where any of your games are a coin flip, why wouldn't you pick the best deck in the format? <laughs> sure. Uh, was, was our ultimate logic. And I, I think the logic was pretty sound, actually. You know, I stand by, like, I think the, the logic that we used to pick our deck for the tournament was not bad. Um, well, I remember you mentioning that you picked it along the same lines as past formats where you might have picked Night March, where yeah, it's just Night best, deck, best deck, yeah, you know. And so, sure, you might run into some mirrors. Um, sure, there might be some, you know, pretty close matchups across the board. But at the end of the day, it's just the best deck, and you know, as long as you pilot it well, you should have an okay time. Yeah. And I think that's a the Night March comparison I think is an apt one. You know, you can compare like Marnie Path to like a Quaking Punch. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. Night March would lose to just a random Quaking Punch. But it could also just win against a random Quaking Punch. So sure. um so it felt very similar in that way. How the actual tournament itself went was very middling. I had a four three two record when it was all said and done. Um and I attribute a lot of that honestly to I think it was even round two uh, where I played a Mew Mirror. It was a very close game. And my opponent in game three was able to get the quad tablet to KO my Mew VMAX. Mm-hmm. And he had a huge deck left. So I like did not think he would hit it. <laughs> like after he finished his Genesex, he had a huge deck left. And he slams the last tablet down. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yep. Um, so... That was like a huge swing that like I couldn't really account for um, and ultimately like lost me that game because I whiffed my tablet response. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since I lost that round, I ended up in the in what I would call the Arceus pits. Uh, and after round two, I played, I think, five Arceus or six more Arceus decks the rest of the day. Sure. Uh, so every round up until round... Every round from round three through eight was Arceus uh, for me. And round one was also Arceus. Wow. And 
what I had, I just was like, was not really quite hitting what I needed. Um, I was never stuck by path. Literally the entire tournament, I was not stuck by path. Honestly, path feels like a very fake card versus Mew. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, and you guys played the pump kaboo. I should, I should point that out. I never used it though. Oh, okay. I was okay. both never stuck by path and never used the pump kaboo. <laughs> Interesting. I got path a lot, but it, it never stayed in play. <laughs> the sure. only time I, I'll, I'll keep saying this to people who will listen because I think it's funny. The only time a path stuck in play for a turn versus me was one game my opponent like got a turn one path going second with Arceus, but I already had a fusion energy in play and three on the board, or one on the board, sorry, and one in my hand. So I just used my Elise's in hand, evolved my MUV Max, attached my last fusion, Let's go. <laughs> did the 280. <laughs> I had a choice belt on it as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I got my Rose Tower in hand, but can you answer this without a Starbirth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it almost worked against them. Yeah. And he like scooped the next turn. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what really ended up being my tournament biter, though, was A, the Arceus decks don't freaking scoop, man. Like, even if they're, like, definitely losing, they really put their teeth into it and try, like, for love, scoop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got ties where it's like, yeah, I was going to win, but I needed my opponent to scoop the game. <laughs> the game two, so we could go to game three. And maybe they were trying to force the tie. I don't know. Um, it didn't feel like they were. It just felt like they thought they had a chance until the bitter end. Right. Um, so that was tough. And also just the Arceus matchup, I think, was, I think, a little closer than we gave it credit for. It was testing, like, really Mew favored for us for a couple days straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have seen the, we also had the flip side of that for, like, especially the start of the trip. We saw kind of the Arceus winning yep. a lot. And I think that ultimately tracked, the matchup felt very, very coin flippy. Um, I felt, I'm pretty sure if I look at my numbers that I won every Arceus where I went first and I lost or tied everyone where I went second on the coin flip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels like, I don't say, I don't want to say right, but it feels like right to, to flip the matchup, not necessarily based on going first or second, but it feels like it's just way too close to reliably sneak it away. Sure. Um, a lot of my games were very close. Like I probably could have won a lot of them if maybe I, drew an extra power tablet or something like that but you don't always draw all the tablets you don't always draw every single out that you need even with four genesect in play (laughs) it's just the way it goes Uh, your hand can clog up i think i would have made some changes to the mew list in hindsight um like we played a lot of basic pokemon and they would clog my hand you know we played the four mew v and then we also played the pump kaboo that was just it would fill my hand over time um we also played three Rose Tower, which is definitely the best stadium, although those kind of clogged my hand too over time. Um, and that tended to be my biggest enemy was my hand just getting too full. <laughs> yeah. And not getting a lot of value out of my subsequent Genesects. Sure. So, would I change the list? Like, probably. Did I play the deck perfectly? Honestly, probably not. I think I played it pretty well. But the Mew deck is very, very challenging to play. I, you know, I've said on the cast before, that if I were to play it, I would want like 300 reps going in. And I probably ended it like 150, <laughs> which uh, was about 150 short of where I wanted to be. Right. I, so I think I had really clean plays. I think especially in the mirror, I had a really 
nuanced picture for how to play the mirror. Shout out to to Caleb Gettimer for like helping to boot camp Andrew and I in the mirror. Sure. Um, but I, I guarantee there's like small little things that I was doing throughout that could have given me better odds. And I do think that if I was sitting at like table two, I would have felt pretty good with Mew. You know, I think against a lot of these Ursh decks, they didn't really take a solid game plan versus Mew. I think mm-hmm. the one that did take the most solid game plan was Gustavo. And Gustavo won the whole tournament. So, and we'll talk more about that, that later. Um, but ultimately, I feel like if I was sitting at like table two playing like Urshifu's with Arceus smattered in, I would have felt great. But sitting at table 172 with just only Arceus for the entirety of my tournament, mm-hmm. that was tough. That was really tough. And it was also like almost annoying, like sure. <laughs> it's like irritating sure. to sit yeah. against not only just the same deck every single round, but also just the same deck every single round that also gets the exact two cards that it needs out of its <laughs> deck turn two every single game. Like, yeah. leave me alone, man. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, please whiff. Like, one of, my, one of my opponents, every single game in the, in the best of three, got a turn two boss choice belt BTE on, like, mm-hmm. a Genesect. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you, what's going on here, man? <laughs> like, yep. Hitting the boss choice belt's actually, like, kind of a lot, because you also didn't start your Arceus. It's on the bench. <laughs> so, like, right. what, how are you hitting this all three games? Um. So overall, it was a uh, a little bit of a challenge. I attribute it to kind of like overestimating Mew's strength versus Arceus, but I I do stand by. I think Mew was a was an okay call for the event. Um, you know, we had predicted a lot of fighting, and we decided to go the step further instead of you know following the trend. If I followed the trend, would I have had an amazing day one? Yeah. Does that is that like fair to say in hindsight though that I made the incorrect call? I don't think so. That's like right. very, uh, very retroactive thinking. Right, right. Do you think that, I mean, because I'm looking at the results and seeing, you know, that there were, uh, I think, like six Mews in the top, six, or four Mews in the top 16 and seven Mews in the top 32. So like pretty well represented. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like Mew was a pretty good call for this event. I, I think, I really do think it was. I, and I stand by that. Like if you're up, if you were hanging up at the top, Mew especially was having a good mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, we we saw the Mews with the good records kind of like carry those records through. Yeah. Um. So I do think Mew is a good call. And, you know, did Caleb, Andrew, and I have a mixture of like bad variants and matchups? Sure. Did we maybe not even play the deck to 100%? Also probably sure. I do stand by. I think Mew was, a, was an okay call for the event. Yeah. Okay, so with that in mind, let's talk about EUIC in general. We did see the Rapid Strike Urshfu VMAX deck just be the deck for the tournament. You had many different testing groups bring it with a lot of different takes. You had the American style, uh, you had the European style, and then, of course, you know, Gustavo and his group's style of Urshfu. But Talk us through, you know, boots on the ground as you were, um, what that was like to see Rapid Strike Urshifu kind of ascend through the ranks and why you think it did so well. Yeah, I see. I mean, seeing Rapid Strike succeed at UIC was really not surprising. Um, and the reason I say that is there's a couple of, of main factors. I think every testing group correctly identified that Arceus, particularly Arceus Dark, 
was going to be very popular at this event. All the big testing groups identified that. We identified that, uh, like Caleb Andrew and I, Tord and his team identified that, the other Europeans identified that, the Americans identified that, Gustavo and his friends identified that. And so they all responded with Urshifu, and then we tried to go to the next level and play Mew. Um, so that seems like a logical following. And honestly, like I would have been a very easy sell to pivot to Urshifu um if i thought it was a little better versus mew yeah and the uh so it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people played it um it also doesn't surprise me that like gustavo's style of list did very well yes Uh, you know like the energy retrieval is a really solid inclusion the raihan moltres is a really really good mew answer i think uh like i said i said this before on the cast as well the raihan moltres is like a little extra oomph that that deck can can take on Mm-hmm. That like really can seal up the Mew matchup in ways Absolutely. that the in ways that just relying on Baby Moltres cannot. Well, and I mean the uh, the interesting thing you mentioned the energy retrieval. I mean there are plays with the energy retrieval that you can make with that. Yes, um, the energy retrieval that, like uh, takes away Moltres. some of the sneakiness that the Mew can take on as well. Well, I think the biggest play that I've been finding as I've been playing that deck, um, just kind of understanding the list and everything about it, is just that you can go ahead and energy retrieval and then also play your boss. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, right, and gust up that uh, that benched Mew or that yeah, benched Mew exactly. Because really, it, against these, against the Moltres, what you hate to do is like kind of make yourself a known quantity, so to speak, where you like mm-hmm. your opponent knows that you have to Clara. Like that feels pretty bad as the right. Moltres player because then your Muse right. can play around it. They can psychic leap into the deck. They can attack with a Meloetta that turn. They can do all sorts of stuff. Yep. Um, and so Gustavo with the energy retrieval, which we started to see play actually even in the Arceus decks in the online tournaments leading up to EUIC, um, gives that, that little extra oomph. And we also kind of saw a similar thing with Pedro and his take on the Urshifu list with the Gossiflor and the Eldegoss, yep. mm-hmm. uh, that can very achieve a very similar effect. Now you need the yeah, energy absolutely. in deck versus the discard to pull off the Eldegoss, and the Eldegoss is also a stage one that like consumes a bench spot. But you know, you I think people were correct in like trying to add a little bit of extra unpredictability, so to speak, and in, in how you built up your Moltres. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, I think overall, like, Arceus da- or Dark was just the deck to answer for the tournament. A lot of people realized that, so they responded with Urshifu. Just has an incredible matchup versus Arceus mm-hmm. Dark as it was built at the time. Um, and the success is not surprising, honestly. Like, they right. just based on my own personal experience, like, there was a lot of Arceus out there. You had enough of those, you're, like, already... <laughs> if I was sure. playing Ursh and had the exact same opponents, which likely would not have been the case but if i was i likely would have won like at least six of those seven games right exactly and which like gets you into day two like off rip by itself and yep. like another interesting thing is even if you weren't confident in your new matchup with urshifu you could take the stance that you know a good new player might know how to play around this but i'm not going to play a good new player i'm going to play the average player who plays mew 
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about strategy then with the Urshfu deck. Because the more that I play the Urshfu deck, the more that I realize, oh, well, particularly Gustavo's list, the more I realize that um, his list in particular has an answer for just about every single deck. So what are some strategies? You know, you mentioned that, well, maybe a Mew player could play around Urshfu, but what are, you know, what would be a strategy there? What do you think are um, the Urshfu deck's worst matchups? Yeah, I think definitely the Mew was was the worst matchup, at least heading into the tournament. Um, mainly because, especially for the decks that are reliant on exclusively Hoopa and Baby Moltres, mm-hmm. um, you can play pretty heavily around that. You, like, you can leverage your Oricorios, you can uh, Psychic Leap at key intervals to get your Mew out of the active position, and you just end up with these weird board states that the baby Moltres alone can't answer. Like you need to have baby Moltres plus boss at the same mm-hmm. time, or you need to have like a specific combination of cards. And so if Mew like disrupts you in any way, then you just lose, you know, if they play a Marnie or if they just get their Mews off the board, mm-hmm. then you're in a really compromised position. Gustavo's list kind of steers away from that by having the, the Moltres V as an option. Uh, and honestly, like even getting that into play, even if you don't attack with it, is really good versus Mew. When I've been testing Urshifu, I've always included the Moltres V for sure. that reason. Sure. Like even if they boss KO it, it just like sets up a situation. Like for example, if you're at five prizes, you bench that Moltres and they like boss KO it. Well, now they're instantly at three prizes and you can like start Moltresing them <laughs> instead of just passing for three turns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The... The other matchup that I think it honestly will struggle in, which was kind of a newcomer, is the, the Sylveon tech that mm, that was played mm-hmm. into top eight. That is a you could almost think of it as like an Arceus or Arceus Rapid Strike toolbox deck, so to speak. Um, but the Sylveon, what's interesting about it is it's a psychic Pokemon that's not weak to dark. It's a trait right. shared actually with Whimsicott V Star and that deck just easily tears through the Urshifu VMAXs, and it's not really responded to well by the dark types. Right. Um, which brings me to, like, the actual probably worst matchup for the Urshi dark decks, which is the Whimsicott deck, uh, at least as they're built right now. Um, I mean, we saw Frank in top eight tear through Tord, tear through Pedro in top four, because uh, they really just didn't have an answer to a trick wind. Uh, you know, the Whimsicott was a little too tanky, to immediately respond to, especially if they didn't play the Moltres V, which yep. they did not. And so you're just kind of like fumbling around, waiting for cards to come to you, and eventually you just kind of get like bullied out of the game because uh, it's just doing too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just was a really strong answer. And, you know, shout outs to Frank for like recognizing that hole in the metagame and kind of carrying Lindsay through. Um, he had committed to Wimscott very early on, you know, playing it at the full grip local multiple weeks ahead of time. Right. And uh, it paid off, you know, being able to, to tear apart those Urshifus. They can't use the Rapid Strike energy. They can't hit for Dark Weakness. It's basically everything you want. <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think ultimately the Urshifu deck struggles the most against... Uh, psychic multi-prizers that aren't weak to dark is like the the <laughs> summary of what it struggles against yeah i mean so then well we'll talk about this later in the cast you know obviously looking forward um were there any other 
decks that you saw that kind of piqued your interest that maybe did well, you know, outside of maybe the Sylveon and the Whimsicott? Um, were th- was there anything that you were thinking during the tournament? Hey, this would have been a really good call for UIC specifically. Um, of decks I was considering, not necessarily like, okay. um, I think Mew and Urshifu were like the top choices that I would have picked and like throughout the day and, and after the day, I felt like that was still the right choices for me. Sure. Um, the, there are some decks that interest me, not necessarily cause I think they're like incredible, but like the Sander stall deck I thought was really interesting. I also thought it was cool that he executed on the strategy that he had tweeted about like two months ago <laughs> when mm. double turbo <laughs> came out. Um, cause he had specifically tweeted about the sun and moon badge plus the Umbreon, plus the, the Eldegoss. So I thought it was really cool that he actually did it. <laughs> the madman went yeah. and did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was really awesome. Um, I don't necessarily think it was like the best deck in like a, an open format, so to speak, but be- he like predicted a very narrow meta and that Umbreon deck was like solid into that meta. Sure. Um, so overall, I think uh, no no huge major surprises. Like I think the Whimsicott deck even was was not a, a gigantic surprise. Like we saw Whimsicott was starting to see success online. It was it saw success in Sao Paulo, but uh, just a lot of a lot of cool responses, so to speak. And I it makes me really excited for just kind of the continued future of this metagame, seeing how people have continue to evolve and and respond to what their metas look like oh absolutely absolutely well with that said we're you know i'm i'm proud of you know how you performed at euic even though it wasn't the you know (laughs) ideal result but uh we just got to get back on that horse for indy yeah absolutely and i'll say I definitely have a continued like further, you know, we've talked before about how Mew is a hard deck. I just have a continued like furthered appreciation for how taxing that deck is to play and how challenging it is to play at a high level, you know, shout out to the players who can execute on that like consistently like Natalie Miller, you know, taking home a regional win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, is it time for our card of the day, Riley? Sure. So, Today's card of the day, I wanted to provide homage to a friend back home, and I thought, what better way to recognize my friends from back in Ohio and also represent EUIC than this card here. So this card here has an ability, Fluffy Cotton. If damage is done to this Pokemon by attacks, flip a coin. If heads prevent that damage, it's a fairy type. It's a multi-prize Pokemon, and that is, of course, Whimsicott, Whimsicott GX. GX. Let's go. <laughs> so this is this feels like a perfect encapsulation to me because a it's Whimsicott, you know. So shout out to Frank, our our friend from back home in Ohio, uh, friend of the cast, and also an iconic Pokemon from our other good friend from EUIC from Ohio. Andrew Mahone, who mm, desperately mm. wanted this to be the best card in the format. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, I, I love to shout out the fairy cards because, you know, 
rest in peace. <laughs> Bless their souls. There's no more yeah. fairy types to be had. Um, so Whimscott GX is a really cool card. Has just a lot of good text on this card honestly yes like, i was gonna say like in a vacuum it's just like kind of a busted card there's a lot like, of there's a lot of good words on this card like it yeah, does definitely. 30 damage for each energy attached to it and toy box gx is like a phenomenal setup attack mm-hmm. and the fluffy cotton ability is just like randomly a super good addition to the card <laughs> uh the hp is a little bit low to compensate for fluffy cotton but just like a really solid card, honestly. Like the you never really wanted to sit across from the Whimsicott Porygon deck, right? Because right. it was always a little frustrating to, to Well, because of course it. they could always they could always high roll. Now they could always just flip tails the entire game, but they could, but even if time, they didn't, like they could just like one shot you out of nowhere with like triple right. cells and stuff. So just a cool card, cool deck. Uh Whimsicott's a Pokemon that I actually really, really like. It's one of my favorite Pokemon from Gen 5. Um, I just, I think he's cute and fluffy and it's a iconic like prankster Pokemon in the, in the video game as well. So mm. I really like this card, you know, uh, shout out to, to Andrew Mahone. Like what's the best way to get a fairy Pokemon into play. Uh, and shout out to Frank <laughs> for his little tricky win. Absolutely. And if you want to keep your fluffy cotton, in order, well, <laughs> there is no better way to do that than the products from Manscaped. Of course, Tag Team is presented by our friends over at Manscaped. They offer a wide variety of different male grooming products to keep your fluffy cotton all nice and trim. So, Riley, why don't you talk to us a little bit about them, what you used maybe over at uh, over in Germany? what you've been using since you've been home. Yeah, absolutely. Manscaped offers a variety of self-care products for your male grooming needs. And for me, I definitely wanted to keep fluffy cotton off of my face. So the lawnmower 4.0 is a really helpful tool to do that. If you're looking to get busy when you're on a trip, there's no better way to do that than with Manscaped as well. Get the fluffy cotton off of your private areas and into the trash can uh so manscape products truly elite the lawnmower has those nice ceramic blades prevent you from getting all sorts of nicks and scratches i've personally not gotten nicked yet by my manscaped razors i really appreciate that and of course you know riley holbert doesn't travel anywhere without his manscaped underpants those things are so comfy (laughs) i did wear them for day one of the tournament (laughs) yes indeed even when I was losing, I was losing oh so comfortably. So Absolutely. Can't go wrong with the Manscaped underpants. I will recommend them until the day I die because they're just that awesome. <laughs> I really do mean it. I really like them. Um, and I also, I brought little travel bottles with, you know, my shampoos and conditioners. And sure. Stuff, and I yeah. made sure to bring my Manscaped body wash along for the trip as well. That way I was smelling fresh and clean and nobody could say i was the stinky pokemon player at that tournament absolutely well that's great if you want to get your own manscape products you can use our code at manscape.com tag team for 20 percent off plus free shipping which is an insane deal that's code tag team at manscape.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping 
looking ahead, we have a big tournament and one that I'm more invested in because, of course, I will be attending. And that is Indianapolis Regional Championships. So those are in about a week and a half, which feels honestly way too close. <laughs> You're telling me, man. I was in Europe two days ago. <laughs> and we have to just kind of come back, figure something out. And, you know, of course, the squad is going to be talking. We're going to be testing, but we got to figure something out for this tournament. So looking ahead with what we know from, you know, the lead up to Europe with what we know from Europe, what would you expect to be some of the biggest decks heading into the Indianapolis regional championships? What are, what are some trends that people should be expecting? Yeah, I still expect Arceus to be one of, if not the biggest deck. I think the folks who are most committed to Arceus will likely continue to play Arceus, likely with some shift to account for Urshifu. Um, so what I'm picturing in that space is people playing like mana fees in their list or playing Koopa Vs or shifting their Arceus builds to be like a little more psychic focused. I think there will still be a ton of Arceus, to be honest. Um, and personally, like the first thing that uh, Andrew and I tested like literally on Sunday <laughs> after we yeah. had all wrapped up for the day and we're just getting ready to pack up uh, before going home that Sunday night, we had already started testing like some more Hoopa V and we'd already mm-hmm. tested Hoopa V, but like, does this still work against the newer Shifu lists? Um, first thing that we wanted to figure out. Right. So, well, what's the, what's the verdict? I think it's pretty good versus Hirsch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about like, gustavo's list i feel like is just how easy it is to get multiple baby uh baby moltres up and you can really play in in many respects like a six prize game right where you're sacking yeah you're sacking the snorlax you're snack you're sacking uh uh yeah you're snacking a sobble a drizzle and then you can just kind of go in with three moltres if you want you know it's certainly doable so yeah, even I, I into kind of that. I don't think any of, to be clear, I don't think any of those answers are perfect versus Urshifu. I think, mm-hmm. like, I think uh, they all force the Urshifu to play different games for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, consider them a little more meaningfully, but none of them are perfect. Um, you know, on the flip side, you could also say that that Dunsparce can kind of be a liability versus like Yoga Loop. Right. Um, same with Manaphy is like not super strong of an answer in that way. So. Right. I think there will be like a lot of people though who stick to their guns and are like I'm playing my Arceus Dark, I'm putting a Hoopa in it, I'm putting a Manaphy in it, uh, and I'm, that's it. Send. <laughs> right. Um, I just feel like the tough thing about that again, I, I'm going to reference Gustavo's list because I do feel like uh, from what I've played, that has the most answers to most things. And the problem with it is that into the Arceus matchup, you can play Avery a couple of times. And so the Arceus player has to decide whether or not they want to keep that Dunsparce on the bench, whether or not they want to keep that Manaphy on the bench. And it can certainly, I, you know, I don't kind of ruin the, ruin the vibes in terms of the Inteleon lines. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm, I'm just telling you what I think will happen. <laughs> sure. Yes, absolutely. And I think Arceus players will stick to their guns by and large. Um, I think there will be more respect for Urshifu, but I don't think a ton of people will swap to it uh, who weren't already comfortable with the deck. The deck mm-hmm. is pretty hard to play. Um, 
So I, I don't anticipate like a ton of people swap, swapping to it. I think it will be more popular than it was at prior events. Yeah. Not by like an insane margin. And then I think we'll see a rise in kind of like the more odd like fringe decks that might respond to Urshifu. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking specifically at the top of my mind, there's been a lot of discourse about Arceus Duraludon in the last few days in a post Urshifu meta. And Duraludon is like a is a Pokemon that can definitely put in some good work versus Urshifu if you get it up and running fast enough. Uh, you know, just forcing them to deal awkward amounts of damage. They just don't quite have the math there. I personally right. don't think the Arceus Duraldon deck is a good call still, but it, it's something that warrants consideration. And then, you know, I expect to see kind of a return to form for Mew, so to speak. And I think a lot of people will, will look at Mew as like, hey, here's an obvious answer to the fighting deck. Let me play the Mew deck. They'll kind of use similar logic that I used to play Mew and EUIC, uh, but maybe a little more widespread. And so I expect Mew to kind of see a little bit of a resurgence where it kind of died down a little bit. Sure. So that's that's what I would look out for, is I would look out for the Arceus decks still being popular. I would look out for like the fringe decks that people think will be Urshifu. And then <laughs> I'll look out for Mew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, heading into the tournament, what are you kind of leaning towards? Because for me, I, I again, after playing with a lot of the top decks from EUIC and just my testing over the last two weeks, you're going to have to give me a really convincing argument to not just suit up the Urshfu list. I'm kind, like, of, I'm kind of in a similar spot. Uh, like, it's going to have to be really convincing because that feels to me like the deck that has the most answers to the most, uh, you know, to the most counters in the format right now. I'm kind of in a similar spot. Urshifu is also just, like, my favorite V Pokemon uh, yeah. by a, a wide margin, you know. Yeah. You th- even think back to, like, when Battle Styles came out and, like, both of us just spammed Urshifu in the Players' Cup and everything like that. Yep. Uh, like... <laughs> We're clearly Urshifu fans on the cast, so it wouldn't be surprising if both of us just slammed Urshifu at an event. Um, so I'm always kind of looking for an excuse. I really was looking for a reason to play Urshifu at EOIC too, but we thought the Mew was a better call. Um, so I would happily slam Urshifu myself. I think, uh, you know, the next thing I'm trying, like right now, I'm trying to like throw some Sweet Coon at the wall. As mm-hmm. like an Urshifu answer, and in our testing so far, it's been okay versus Ursh. I kind of the Manaphy is helpful, obviously, but you know the Avery can really get tormenting with Suicune mm-hmm. after like a second good hit. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I really want to try playing a Rescue Carrier in addition to the the Manaphy. Okay, I think that could be enough to like make the deck viable, so to speak. Sure, not that it's sure. not viable, but like make it a little bit better. No, right, because then you're not as impacted by the uh, by the Avery, right? Yeah, and it's like, you know, it gives you a little more freedom to, like, discard your little guys early and not feel so bad about it. For um, sure. And I also, I consistently find this weekend deck can, like, run out of basics if you, like, prize two of them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you prize, like, two basics, <laughs> then you, like, run out of <laughs> basic Pokemon. <laughs> so that's, like, another thing that I want to try is Suicune with a Rescue Carrier. Um but, yeah, I mean, I would happily play Urshifu at Indy. 
I think the players who are comfortable with Urshifu are likely also considering just playing Urshifu again, you know, maybe mm-hmm. tweaking their list to respond to whatever meta changes they anticipate and then take an Urshifu. Right. Um, so it would not surprise me, especially like amongst the top players, if that's still a, a huge cross section. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, any other kind of thoughts heading into, obviously we have one more cast until, um, until Indianapolis. And so, you know, I expect both of our thoughts to be a little bit more um, developed over the course of the next week. But uh, any other thoughts here heading into Indy that, you know, things you want to try testing um, that you haven't had the chance to yet or um, specific texts that you're thinking about throwing in uh, to certain decks? Um, and not necessarily a ton that I didn't already mention, like the rescue mm-hmm. carrier in in Suicune is something I really right. want to experiment with more. The Urshifu deck, I think, is just still a really solid choice all around. Um, you know, I think on the grander scale, the meta seems to... I wouldn't say the meta is yet centralized. Like, I don't think people have solved the meta or anything. There's even still, amongst the top decks, there's a lot of variation in the list of these decks, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where I'm kind of at is I think the archetypes... I don't really anticipate going too far outside of the main archetypes that we've seen. Right. I instead want to find like what are those last couple cards in those archetypes that like make them the best they can possibly be. Because you know, when you're thinking of like a meta that has Mew and Arceus and Urshifu in it, all three of those cards in very different ways are like oppressive to other strategies. Sure. You know, like Urshifu, like completely wallops your bench (laughs) very early into the game potentially and arceus grabs whatever two cards it wants to completely ruin your board (laughs) sure you know maybe they're bossing something really important on the second turn of the game um every single time and there's nothing you can do about it or they're doing some other like absurd play that no other deck can consistently pull off and then mew is mew and we've talked about mew and that can be oppressive in other ways so like you have to make a really good case to not just play one of those decks, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because they're so Absolutely. good. <laughs> they are. Yeah. So good. So good. I mean, since I've been playing some of the best decks just ever printed and I mean, it yeah, makes sense. No, right? The power real. creep is just insane. And so. I think uh, what I found in my testing, and this isn't universally true, but what I found in my testing is it's really hard for rogue strategies to deal with, even two of those three effectively mm-hmm. you yeah. might be able to get two but getting all three is like impossible because they're so different in their game plan they're so different in their typing they're so different in their win conditions it's uh it's really hard to build a, a deck that answers all three of those major archetypes right one last question that i have where does malamar sit in a bad spot right now honestly i think malamar is kind of doomed right now if you're a malamar fan you've probably already realized this and i'm just a broken record but the the rise of avery is bad the rise of urshifu is just generally bad manaphy is like not a great answer especially if you're getting averyed <laughs> right you, you have know? to keep a manaphy so like what's your board look like it looks like you know sobble your benched malamar and then the you know and then the the manaphy like that's never 
never where you want to be. Yeah, so it just it gets super awkward. Like run out of Pokemon, you start whiffing stuff. It's not great. And then they what they boss the Manaphy. <laughs> uh the next turn you you're just even a worse spot. So that's not great. I hand against the Arceus decks, you know, you're just really struggling to get to the big charm numbers consistently. And then they can just Charon's Care, and then you're in a really compromised position. Especially, like, they're, like, all playing Crobats now in the Arceus decks. Mm, so, Crobat VMAX, yeah, we talked about that. So that's just a, a real challenge, especially if they're also playing Avery. <laughs> 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 you know, if they Avery and Crobat in the same turn, that feels horrible. Uh, and then the Mew decks just has so many ways to play around the Malamar strategy. Um, if Mew gets going quickly then there's really like not a lot that Malamar can do unless it gets like the turn to knockout on the VMAX, which is not common. (laughs) Yep. So I feel like Malamar's just in a bad spot. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I've had some struggle with, um, with the Urshfu deck against Malamar just because they can keep enough of a board presence and the mana fee can stay, um, you know, to, to make that run, obviously, um, you're hitting for weakness. You don't need as many Pokemon or, you know, or as many rapid strike cards, I should say to, uh, to, to get a knockout on an Urshfu. Uh, and that's probably, you know, the best attacker in that early game there for the Urshfu deck. So it, it has been a bit of a struggle. I, I have won, you know, the games that I've played, but I've always been had that like turn or two where I'm like, Ooh, this could be, this could be tragic if they get exactly what they need. <laughs> and so, the thing is they don't always oh, the cynthia giveth and taketh away absolutely <laughs> so yeah not a huge malamar fan at the moment it just uh doesn't feel like the right time anymore a little underwhelming especially with arceus I, I would say that that's probably the biggest argument against the malamar aside from having you know uh, the sniping of the urshfu but um you know arceus has just always been kind of that that really difficult matchup for you so i mean it really uh, feels like all those big three decks are like not a good matchup so why would you even (laughs) consider it you know (laughs) if you want to i don't know you've been testing it for a long time and you just are the most comfortable with it or you you know you you just you're feeling like having some fun or something i don't know (laughs) and like it wouldn't surprise me if like a random alamar made a deep run or something but yeah it doesn't feel like a tournament winner yeah absolutely Especially because the list from Almar feels so solved. Um, right. Like, everyone knows what you're clocking. And eventually, you're going to falter versus the Arceus or the, or the Ursh or the Mew. It's just eventually, you're going to start losing. <laughs> right. In my opinion. You know, I, if a Malamar player wants to prove me wrong, I love the Malamar deck. You know, prove me wrong. I'd be happy to see. But I don't think that'll happen. Well, you heard it here. We are going to be on the grind for Indianapolis because honestly, it was a big whiff in uh, in Europe, you know, not to throw shade at the group, but, you know, we got to get some some results here and uh, Indy is going to be a great spot to do it. Absolutely. Looking very much forward to Indy. It is currently on track to be the biggest regional of all time. Uh, fun fact in the Masters division, if everybody shows up. So very exciting stuff ahead looking forward to seeing you all and also shout out to everybody in europe who who came up and appre- showed their appreciation for the cast 
I, I sincerely do appreciate the love for getting internationally on tag team. It was really cool to see. And if you feel the same in indie, definitely come up to JW and I and let us know what you think. And yeah, if, you, if you're a big fan, there is another way that you can show your love, and that's by leaving a rate and review on your favorite podcasting platforms. So simple. Just click the five-star button if you feel like it's five stars. Click the one-star button if you feel like it's one or anywhere in between based on your personal opinions. And let us know how we're doing. Not only does that help us get discovered and further up in the algorithm, it also lets us know what we're doing well and what we need to improve on. You can also check us out on social media. I'm at Smiles with Riles. JW's at Real John Walter. And we have a Twitter for the podcast at Tag Team Pokemon. And if that's not enough for you, we do record live every single week on one of our Twitch channels. You can find it typically at twitch.tv slash munner. But JW also streams at twitch.tv slash flexdaddyrighteous. Absolutely. So with that said, we're going to be back in the lab coming up with something great for Indianapolis. Thank you guys all so much for listening to the cast. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace. See you.